When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 11 game suspension for Deshaun Watson. This is the Rich Eisen Show. What do you apologize for? everyone that was affected about this situation, there was a lot of people that was triggered. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I hope he uses this 11-game suspension to find a better place for himself and deal with his clear issues. Earlier on the show, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. Coming up, Fox Sports College Football Analyst, Bruce Feldman. Plus, your phone calls, latest news, and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air here on Peacock Sirius XM and the rest of the Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio and streaming partners. We just had a great chat with Mike Florio in hour number one. It is now time to kick off hour number two to turn our attention from professional football to college football. And joining us here in studio in hour number two for exactly that from the Athletic and Fox Sports, our good friend Bruce Feldman. Good to see you here again, sir. Good to see you again. So uh, I don't even know where to start, but I'll start with a conversation I had just uh, the other day with Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, when he was on this program and he basically said that he's receiving calls at the SEC for expansion. They don't have any plans to do that. He also said that uh, the twelve game, uh, the twelve team college football playoff that was on the table that he said some people rejected. He has apparently gotten calls from those people to try to turn those machines back on. Where where does the expansion world exist right now entering this college football season now? Well, sure. obviously we know that over the summer, USC and UCLA uh, are going to move in a couple of years formally to the Big Ten. The Big Ten just had a massive TV deal. We're talking around $8 billion. Um, and is there going to be more expansion on that front? Now, obviously, the the school that everybody would want to add is Notre Dame. They're the ones who have the biggest earning potential. They're the ones who would draw the most eyeballs, the biggest brand. Also, academically, if you're the Big Ten, you see them as a great fit culturally for what they, you know, those university presidents like to be. There's the Pac-12, which now is missing USC and UCLA, and that's an LA market, but it's also the flagship school of the conference. So what happens to those other schools? You know, people are wondering, all right, was is the Big 12 going to try to poach whatever they can poach to, you know, kind of, we know that there's two big conferences. I would have thought maybe about a month ago that the chances of one of the other Pac-12 schools going to the Big 10 was you know, maybe 10%, you know, if 10, 15%, B 
because I think as much as some of the presidents might be interested in a Stanford or a Cal or maybe maybe Oregon and Washington, I'm just not sure it, it makes much TV sense in terms of like, do they bring value? Because now all of a sudden, as opposed to splitting it 16 ways, you'd be splitting it potentially 20 ways. And that's a lot of money to give up if it doesn't bring in TV value. At this point, I'm not so sure that, you know, Kevin Warren and the Big Ten and those presidents are probably more intrigued by the idea of maybe adding those four schools than I thought they were probably a month ago. I'm a, you know, my, my personal hunch, mm-hmm. I'm a little more uh, optimistic, if you want to use that term, that they would go to 20, not even talking about Notre Dame, than I was a month ago that they would stay at 16. Because even if the money doesn't sound like it's there, I still think, you know, it's it seems to be, from what I've heard, very appealing to Kevin Warren and some of those presidents in the Big Ten. So then, I guess expansion. We're going to cool our heels a little bit. Is no, I think right expansion now? is. I, I think expansion in terms of the playoff. I think that is very much on the table and a thing that you know I, they know there's money there, right? And I think that sorting out how it works, whether there's automatic entry for some of these other leagues, or it's just like, hey, we're going to. Take the best twelve teams, or potentially the best sixteen teams. I think that's something that will, you know, I, I think they look and see. There's so much money that they're going to leave on the table mm-hmm. if they don't. And I, I think Greg Sankey, as you heard the other day, I think he's like they're going to be fine either way. The the SEC is the one who's who's best represented in in this format. I don't think it's going to change whether it gets brought to a bigger scale. But they, and certainly the Big Ten, are the ones who really can drive this. Now, the question to me, you know, when you circle back to Notre Dame, is do those two um, commissioners with the biggest with the biggest chips in their pocket, do they say to Notre Dame, do you really think you should have a spot in this, just like it was in the current format, if you're not part of any conference? You know, could they, could they, because I, I don't think everything I've heard that Notre Dame wants to give up its independent status at this point. So could they force their hand? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, it's too soon to tell that. Well, I guess, and then it's playing at the same time as uh, our colleague Pete Thamel's report that the board of managers uh, started talking um, about removing college football from the NCAA's purview and placing it under the college football playoffs purview. And that's the way that you can create your super conferences. I mean, we had... Kyle Whittingham on the program yesterday, Utah coach, number seven team in the country. They won the Pac-12 last year. He said, absolutely, this is going to super conferences. No doubt we're going to super conferences. That's the way this is going to go. And um, I believe that's the way it's going to go. And it looks like it's heading in that direction. Would I be wrong? No, I, don't, I mean, I don't think, especially if the Big Ten end, ended up going. Now, what's interesting is for Kyle in his position at, at Utah, you know, if the Big Ten's going to take four, um, and I'm not saying that's imminent, but if that was where it ended up heading, putting Notre Dame aside for a minute, you know, I don't know where that leaves Utah in terms of a power, you know, a super conference, because I could see the response maybe from Greg Sankey in the SEC. There's a handful of schools either, you know, especially in the ACC, that might be attractive to them in one way or another. Um but beyond that, I don't, you know, if you're one of the other teams in the Pac-12 who's not maybe among those four mm-hmm. that, you know, that I'm told definitely there's interest from the university presidents in the Big Ten, 
I don't know where that leaves some of these other schools in in the Pac-12 because I don't foresee the Big 12 becoming a third super conference. I think it, you know, it's viable. I just don't see all of a sudden the Big 12's number, which they're already adding, you know, a bunch of schools in the wake of Texas and OU going to the SEC. BYU being one of them. BYU, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. But I don't see you adding, um, you know, let's say they add Utah, Utah, which obviously has long history with BYU. You add Colorado, maybe the Arizona schools. I still don't see that seemingly to be on a level playing field or anywhere near it from the money. You know, we just, I just said $8 billion in this, in this TV deal for the big 10. We know the SEC and ESPN have a humongous deal that they have, you know, packaged where it comes to the big 12. You know, if it was that way, I don't, I don't know where that goes. I mean, I definitely could see super, super leagues. And I could also see um, a break from the NCA because I don't think they want in terms of the football part of it, I you know it's people. A lot of people don't think of it this way, but you, we know the NCAA tournament for basketball is tied to college basketball. The playoff hasn't, you know, it's not an NCAA thing. It's it's already outside of it, and so I think some of the governance pieces of it, especially with NIL, especially with a lot of other things that have come up, transfer portal and everything, yeah, you can create I, your own rules that are that that won't get slapped down by the Supreme Court and or, near your own guardrails, and then you keep it instead of saying trying to get three hundred fifty member schools in a uniform rule, you now got sixty four. Right, you get a much smaller universe of school presidents and ADs to try and figure out what to do. Yeah, and you also get, what you get away from is, where did this rule come from? Well, it came from, you know, it was proposed by some, you know, smaller leagues that are playing, I mean, on the, on the field, football is similar, but it's just in terms of how they operate is dramatically different on the Alabama-Ohio State side compared to, let's say, you know, your hometown school, Wagner, or one of those other, you know, other smaller programs that, isn't making you know that much money or is really struggling to stay at that level i appreciate you utilizing my actual hometown school to make your point by the way bruce i have to, I have to give a nod to staten island no you right? know your audience know your audience the i know my i know my audience. wu-tang clan's favorite small school wagner up there on <laughs> grimes hill absolutely i got bruce feldman here on okay, the okay. Uh, that's right right here on the on the rich eisen show so um let's also now get into the season do you agree with the the rankings as they have first come out bruce feldman i, I agree the top of it i think to me if you said Ohio State or Alabama or some or somebody else, yeah, I wouldn't take somebody else. You know, I feel like this is not a field situation where I, I think you have Ohio State is going to have a ridiculous offense as long as they stay healthy. I mean, great quarterback, great running back, the deepest receiver room in the country, really good offensive coach running the show, and Ryan Day. I think they've upgraded on defense with the defense coordinator Jim Knowles. Mm-hmm. Uh, love a lot of things about Alabama. Best player in the country and Will Anderson on defense. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Bryce Young. They added some really good transfers, starting with Jamar Gibbs, a running back from Georgia Tech, who's really special. After that, you know, you look at Georgia. I mean, they got a bunch of guys. I know they lost a lot to the NFL. Jalen Carter's, you know, as good as anybody they had on that defense. Uh, great tight ends, a lot of pieces. Clemson's going to be interesting. That's where, I, you know, once you get past Georgia and and maybe Clemson, I feel like there is a big step down. I, you know, Notre Dame is going to go into Columbus week one. That's right. And I like what Marcus Freeman's doing there, but that is, 
I think it's going to be a real struggle for them to keep it a game in the second half. Uh, Tyler Buckner's a talented young quarterback, but this is his first real big game. They're they're already undermanned at receiver. They're probably going to be without one of their most, Jarrett Patterson, their most experienced offensive linemen. And they're going to go up against a team that it's like, it is going to be like getting into a three-point shoot, shooting contest with Steph Curry. Like, I think that's how explosive Ohio State is. So, you know, yeah, I think Notre Dame is a top 10 team, but I feel like once you get past those first three schools and maybe Clemson, like we got to see a lot more from Clemson. They got a really good defensive line. They have they have some guys who are hyped recruits, but they haven't done anything yet. I mean, that team that they have by and large is not the one that we remember from, you know, being in, in the playoff. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is in Jacksonville, Travis Etienne's in Jacksonville. You have a bunch of other guys who've moved on. And I think including the coordinators, Brent Venables, who was a great defense coordinator for yeah. Dabo Sweeney, he's now the head coach at Oklahoma. So I'm not sure if Clemson's in that in that mix with those other three. And what's your your preseason handicapping of the uh, Heisman race right now? What do you got on that front? Uh, you know, I think I, it's going to be hard for Bryce Young to repeat, you know, and, and given no one other than Archie has ever done that. I really like C.J. Stroud. I think his receiving core is ridiculous. He's, you know, he's in a place where I think he is going to put up ridiculous numbers. And I just think everything about him, as long as he stays healthy, I think to me he is he is the guy. I think the guy to beat. Who else could Who else could be on the outside looking in that can come out of nowhere? Because let's be honest, at this point last year, no one was saying Aiden Hutchinson had a shot at the Heisman Trophy. So who look at this think? point a couple of years ago, no one was talking about Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow ran away with it. I mean, this does happen from time to time, you know, go back to Johnny Manziel came out of nowhere to win it. Right? Sure. So I, you know, I'm sure there'll be some buzz and I'll probably add to it a little bit and say, you know, Caleb Williams out here with, reunited with Lincoln Riley. They're not very good on defense, but they're probably going to put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. You know, if they go on a run, I, I think he could be in the mix. You know, I think there's there's some other really, really good um, running backs. But to me, it feels like coming off of what Bryce did last year, coming, you know, with C.J. Stroud, I just think there's it's going to be tough to get past those quarterbacks just because that's the that's where all our eyes go. You know, you add Caleb also has the Bolitnikoff winner now. Jordan Addison comes from Pitt. He goes out there. I mean, he's going to put up big numbers. And he's already got people watching. There's buzz around USC. I think he will He will definitely be in the mix. All right, I'm going to take a moment for myself, Bruce Feldman. How's the Michigan quarterback situation breaking down? Best I, you can see I, right now. I think it's better than it was a year ago at this time, and I would say this. You have a much deeper receiving core. Now, look, new, at this time last year, nobody knew Ronnie Bell wasn't going to be able to play right. most of the season. He's back, but I think they're so much deeper. I talked to your guy Jim Harbaugh for a while a couple of weeks back, and that was one of the first things he talked about was how deep the receiving room is. You know, they have a lot of speed. Obviously, they'll miss Hassan Haskins. I don't think people outside of the Big Ten realize how good he was. But, you know, Corum is fast. Donovan Edwards is dynamic. They have a lot of weapons. They have, you know, Eric All, I think, really established himself last year and really, you know, the tight end. So um, I think what's interesting to me most about them, having been around their players a little bit in at Big Ten Media Days, they have a chip on their shoulder, which is interesting because a year ago, Josh Ross, Aiden Hutchinson, you could feel them talk about 
it was like they were disgusted and embarrassed by what happened with Michigan State and certainly, you know, like the way the year played out previously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those guys were real leaders. And I think they established a real standard there. And you talk to, you know, DJ Turner and Mozzie Smith about what they, like, I think they're, and they didn't use this word, but this is how I kind of, you know, felt like it sounded like the way they were talking about it. I was like, people thought it was flukish that they beat Ohio State last year and that they won the Big Ten. And maybe some of that has to do with the way they got mauled by Georgia in the playoff. Right. But, you know, there's definite talent there. And I think if they play with the, with the kind of the passion that we heard, I heard from some of these guys about like, you think that was a fluke, you know, like that was a one-off. And if they can take that, cause they, I think they, they've always had enough athletes to be competitive. Now, look, I think Ohio state has more, but you know, Jim Harbaugh had a really physical team with a, that was really good on both lines last year. Right. And I'm interested, like I'm, I'm more of a believer in them now than I was probably a month ago before hearing how these guys, how it came out, how, how, how they felt like coming out of last year, they took it. Mm. So uh, I don't know if you saw uh, my snippet of my hosting gig at uh, in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I don't think that went over big. Uh, it did not in the room. Uh, it didn't go over well in the room. So how large of a check do you think I wrote? <laughs> I, like like I, I mean is it is it a uh, an uncashable check is it a um too large a check is it a an appropriate check how large of a check do you think i wrote for myself i think it depends on how close you are to certain buckeyes let's put it that way um <laughs> all i know is like i've well, sat I mean, in the i've sat in the green room with like yeah. i don't know is charles woodson the greatest wolverine of them all you know like sure. yeah. and you see the, you know, the frustration, the angst when it's like guys can't, you know, whether it's against Michigan State where it's like mm-hmm. the guy's playing his position, I'm not expecting them to be him. Right. But like, you know, you're, you're calling out a team that has, is loaded right now. Well, I'm right? not calling them out. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out what happened last year with the hopes of following it up in a way that would be surprising. So you think that the, it, it, the divide is, is, too large to bridge i i i would let's say this i would be if you told me that that ohio state was a 10 point um favorite right now i'd be like oof they're gonna cover that i mean Mm -hmm. i I just think you know cj stroud and those guys like they gave credit to oregon and michigan for beating them but i think they kind of felt like you know we were not at our best right and look credit to credit to the teams that either outcoached them or outplayed them on those days. But I just think this is, I could be way off on Ohio State. Like if you ask me right now, who do I think is going to win a national title? I would actually say Ohio State more than more than Alabama. Really? That's who you think right now? Um, and how big is the Texas A&M Alabama game going to be this year? Is that is that is that number one on your list? Could it be Michigan, Ohio State again? Like what's number one on your list of the games coming in? You're in the top two. Give me your top two games that you're circling. Right yeah, now. obviously the the Jimbo Saban dust up. It feels like forever ago now, doesn't it? I, I mean, it really does. I don't. I know Texas A&M has recruited really well. I don't think Texas A&M like to Saban try to beat them by thirty. I don't know. You know, can he? <laughs> I. I mean, you know, Texas A&M has unproven quarterback. They have a, they have a bunch of guys to replace. They have really good young D linemen. They have yeah. good secondary and they have speed um, in the backfield, but. I don't think they can, you know, like I don't think A&M back-to-back years can, can hang with them. 
I could be wrong. I didn't. I definitely didn't see it last year. And if you told me Zach Calzada was gonna was gonna beat um, Nick Saban, I would I would have lost a lot of money on that. Right. But that's definitely you know interesting in the run up to it. I don't know. You know, I want to see what the post game. I'm sure they'll be fine in the post game handshake. I mean, I don't think any of that stuff. You know, Nick Saban is. You know, if he, if he's fine with with Lane Kiffin, he's fine with all these other guys. He, you know, I, I think it'll be okay. Well, I mean, I asked Sankey, did he have to do some commissioner talk to the coaches after that? And he said he spoke to both of them. He did a lot of listening with one, and he did more talking to the other. Is what his response was. On yeah, because we know who. Like, you know, I remember writing about this afterwards, talking to co- some coaches, and they're like, "Yeah, he doesn't want to mess with Saban." You know, it's just like he doesn't. Are you serious? That's what he said. You don't want to mess with. Saban? No, I, I, I mean that's the vibe from all the from a lot of the coaches who've been in the room. It's like Nick Saban is looked at differently in that league. It's not, it's not a shot at Greg Sankey. I mean, Nick Saban changed the SEC because he he won like nobody's won. You know, in the modern era, and he set the bar. Whereas Jimbo, you know, it, it just kind of went out there a little bit half cocked with like some of the things he had said in terms of, you know, it was almost like daring people to call him to say, okay, you worked with him. What was, you know, what are you, yeah, what are you saying? Cheat? Yeah. How did he really cheat? You know, like we're going to go right to the source. You want, you know, you know, you would know. And I think then it kind of fizzled out, but he didn't, you know, from my understanding is Sankey didn't, you know, he definitely didn't want Lane Kiffin going out there to, to comment and, and, and squeeze more air onto the, you know, throw more gasoline on the fire because that was already burning. I don't think the SEC does not love that. Paul Feinbaum may love it, but, you know, and the fans may love it. I, I don't think Greg Sankey wants any part of that. Okay. So before I let you go, what's the one thing that I didn't ask you about that you wanted? I know you did, you did your freaks list. Yeah. I figured you'd be all list. in on, you know, Michigan having the number one guy, Mozzie Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, this is different than combine stuff. We see all this freakish stuff at the combine. Yeah. Go look at at Mozzie Smith. This is on the at, athletic, right? Yeah, and anything. go look at the video of him looking like a three hundred thirty seven pound jackrabbit. Michigan has these plyo uh, staircase that basically their stairs almost like jumping up on your desk, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like stairs we'd have in our house. Mm-hmm. And to see how fast this massive guy just can can vault up it. And then there's another thing where this combo twist machine, which you wouldn't really see, you know, in in normal gym. But they had to get it re-engineered and have a different company contract out because he was so strong they couldn't even accommodate him to pack on 200 more pounds. Mm-hmm. So wow. I've had freaks. I don't know if I've ever had one quite like Mozzie Smith. Okay, so I should be excited about that. Right? You should be excited about him. You should be excited about the guy they're hoping can, uh, you know, can maybe give them some of the pass rush skills that uh, Aiden gave him. Not, you know, guys as freaky an athlete, but he was a. German mogul skier, and now they're going to expect him to try to at least <laughs> give them something. I love it, man. You just know everything about everything, and you're so unassuming about it. I just love uh, you coming in here. Thanks for doing it, Bruce Feldman. Always a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Uh, so wh- where are you headed next? Where's your first gig? Uh, we, I'm on the road with our big noon show, and we have a really great opener. So Nick Saban's uh, Alabama team is going to play at his former uh, protege, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas. Alabama in Austin. It should be wild. Okay, that's right. And and when does Arch sign his letter of intent? December? Is that what's happening? Yeah, it would be. Are they you know, sweating maybe, it? Are they nervous? Are they holding their I breath? I think they're probably they? more nervous about uh, Nick Saban coming to town. 
You know? Probably so. Okay. We got a lot of Michigan this year, though. Wait, where, which ones? Are you uh, like Iowa? You got the one Michigan, we, I think Iowa? we do. I mean, oh, it's yeah, not yeah, all yeah. official, but I feel like we have like I'm already hiding under my desk for that one. Michigan's <laughs> Big Ten opener is at Iowa. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's where so many Big Ten seasons have gone to die for Michigan. And obviously, they've got some payback from Indianapolis Absolutely. last year that they're on their yeah. minds. I'm sure about that. That's what makes it fun. Does it? Well, for me, I mean, I, I mean, like, I don't sweat. I like, I, I don't have as much of a vested interest in the actual like outcome. I just want to see like great games, and I want to see some of the drama. And you know, like you said, I mean, I don't know. Mike, our crew used to go in to Ohio State for the games after they lost. Mm. So we had Urban Meyer and Ohio State after that's Iowa not fun. put it on them. That's, it was, no, that's not good. We got them after Purdue whipped them. You know, it's like. You don't necessarily want to be around those staffs after they like no. got upset by one of those places. You don't want to give your you don't want to come out without your A game against Iowa. Well, I know you don't root for one school over another, and you you root for close games. When I first started at NFL Network, before uh, I went on the air, um, I had a chat with a lot of the league executives, and Paul Tagliabue being the commissioner at the time, and he was a longtime Washington season ticket holder. And I asked him, I said, how are you, you know, when Washington plays? Like, do you still have a rooting interest? He said, when I took over as commissioner, I asked about just that to Roselle. And Pete Roselle told me, you're now commissioner of the NFL, so you must root for the team that's losing every game. That's what you must do. In a game, you must root for the team that's losing because you want a close game. You want to come back. You want something to talk about. You want to narrow. You're rooting for yourself. Like I had something like I the first book I ever did was a Miami book. And I, you know, to promote the book, the better the better it is. They need to have a really good year. They get they play a three versus five game at Virginia Tech. They lose. My older brother calls me, he's like, Hey man, really sorry about this. Knowing that like the them going down is not helping my book sales. Mm-hmm. I said, Listen, anything where I'm dependent on something I have no control over. And it's basically what's going on between 17, 18 and 19 year olds. I can't get too caught up in it. Like, you know, it's like, there's nothing I can do. And you know, it's, it's going to happen, whatever it is. And you just kind of rooting for as best, you know, as best you can, but you just want to see good games. The first big game of the season. How about that? Nick Saban, Sarkeesian, Alabama and Texas. Two can't wait. Blue bloods. That'll be on FS one. No, big, big, Fox, oh, big the Fox, big Fox, big Fox, the big Fox with Bruce Feldman right here on the Rich Eisen Show. And also check out all of Bruce's writings, including that awesome article about the Freaks List on The Athletic. Thanks for coming in here, sir. Always a pleasure. You got it. That's Bruce Feldman right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We will be back with more in a moment. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Preseason football, the big week began last night. And I am genuinely concerned. Genuinely concerned based off of last night's action for Sam Howell, Malik Willis, George Karloftis, and George Pickens, because those were the four other guys I said I was looking forward to seeing more good stuff out of entering week number two in the preseason based on how well they performed in week one of the preseason. I gave you a top five list of that. Those five rookies that I needed to see more out of. And last night, the Bears showed up in Seattle Number five on that list, the first name I read off, Charles Cross. The left tackle of the Seattle Seahawks. Can't get any bigger of a position right on the offensive line than the left tackle. He did so well in Pittsburgh, I said I needed to see more from him. Five penalties, four four false starts, one hold. So (laughs) I guess I put the Ziggy on Charles. And I'm genuinely concerned for the other four kids on my list. Do you want to um, retract or and the other amend thing the Seattle's not going to be as bad as people my think? My other top five <laughs> list of the week was the top five items I'm now beginning to try and talk my the top five yeah. new items I'm now trying to talk myself into. And one of them is it's Seattle's not going to be as bad yeah. as people think. Yeah. And last night, Seattle looked as bad as people think. Yeah. Now, look. They uh, had problems on penalties. They had problems tack. My God, they had problems tackling. They had problems moving the offense. They had. They had. Pro- I mean, it was. This is exactly what it would look like. One would think for a team that's going to choose first overall. And the problem is, you know, like, okay, it's preseason. Drew Locke had COVID. There's a lot of stuff that went a little sideways. Uh, but you're at home, and the Eberfluses came knocking last night and they're the team that looked better than people would think not seattle yeah but if the bears did that to seattle russell wilson's gonna put 50 on them week one well you certainly can't have your left tackle leaping off sides four times like you're a member of the visiting team amongst the 12s yeah you know you're 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 one of the 11 in front of the 12s you shouldn't be the one jumping off sides like that You'd think not. Four false starts and one hold. And the holding penalty came on the drive where they actually got inside the Bears' 30, which was a an earth-shattering <laughs> moment for the Seattle offense last night. Again, it's preseason. It's the middle of August. 
Seahawks MVP was the punter last night. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Michael Dixon. It's going to be a long year for Pete if that happens. Well, Rich, may not be a full year for Pete. Stop it. You're crazy when you say stuff like that. Hey, Rich, I'm telling you right now, if they have the number one pick, Pete Carroll's not the coach next year. Why would you say that? Because they're going to have a new quarterback, new life. It's just time for new voices. Pete even said it last night during the broadcast. What do you say? Sometimes it's time for new voices. New voices among the coaching staff, new voices among the players. I would bet Pete's not back next year. Boy, is that a hot take right there. That's a hot take. It's August. For hot takes? I think it's, I mean, yeah, I yes, I get that. I get it's hot, but if you have the number one pick in the draft next year and you have C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I find it hard like, to believe a Pete Carroll coach team is going to have just two wins out of 17 or three wins out of 17. I, I doesn't matter who your I coach is that, if the I, players aren't good. I don't know, man. They have two backup quarterbacks as their starters. I'm not going to take that jump. I'm not going to. All I know is I just put the Ziggy on Charles Cross, and it also just shows you what a genuine concern you would have entering the season, yeah. not just the fact that Russell Wilson's gone and you got a new era at the quarterback spot, and your choices are currently Geno Smith and Drew Locke coming off of COVID, and you've got a an opener coming up. Let me get the Seattle six schedule right here off the top. Man, I know the Bears are taking on the 49ers to start the season. And Seattle's opener against is Denver. My bad. It's September 12th. You just mentioned it. And then they're at the 49ers week two. That's a tough one. And then you've got, you know, obviously the Broncos sending, you know, Randy Gregory, et cetera, your way. And then you got Bosa coming your way. And you've got an itchy rookie left tackle. I mean, Charles Cross has got to settle that motor stat. Stat. And then Drew Locke's got to get healthy and they've got to put together uh, a coherent offense. The, the, the runny nose of a team in the NFL, you know, the runny nose of a team in, the, in Major League Baseball is a bad bullpen. Okay? Where, where a team can't get anybody out and a two-run game turns into a five-run game or worse a two-run lead turns into a four you know a two-run deficit because somebody comes in in the eighth inning and can't close things out and momentum not only stops but spirits break that's the runny nose of a baseball team the runny nose of a football team is bad tackling that's the runny nose because if you can't tackle, that means your will gets broken. That means you can't stop the opponent. That means you can't get off the field. That means you can't help your offense by making the touchdown that just got put on the board stand up. That's the will-breaking stuff. You have problems tackling? Look out, man. And that that's, that's what we saw last night. But... and. If it was against the Rams, you'd be like, okay, that's the defending champs out there. But when it's the Bears coming in and Roquan Smith's in pajamas because he's holding in. And it's also just like, with all due respect oh, to the Bears, man. it's a team we expect to be at the bottom five. And they it's just pre-season. routed them. I got to just, I'm just going to put it at preseason. <laughs> all I know is the other four rookies that I said I need to more from, the bar is set very low for you to show me more. <laughs> I don't mean to. Make light, but I guess I just did. All right, we'll take a break. Your phone calls, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Hour number three is also for you. We, are, we have no guests. We're just going to take you home to the weekend.
and talk more preseason action coming up next right here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on our Rich Eisen Show Terrestrial Radio Outfit. <laughs> Want to come? No. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even give him a slow yes instead of a quick no on that? For what, his fantasy yeah, draft? just make him think you're well, thinking about it. shows up to another person's fantasy draft? I did once to his. Yeah, but you came after it was over. Well, I came for the food. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, you would want to sit there oh, through I a fantasy football draft like, with a no time limit. I, I, waited, know, he, I, waited, I waited nine hours yeah, after he showed it started, up at like nine o'clock. And after then I got food. Eight leftovers. <laughs> Which is fine, man. I live a little further away now. Yeah, that's a, that's a hike. Let's go to Ty in Boise, Idaho. The great state of Idaho. Uh, What's up, line, Ty? Which, which line? That's line on? three, sir. Line three. Line three. Line, line three. three. What's up, Ty? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? I must say, Rich, big fan. Been, you know... Watching you since the '90s, man. So I, you know, you. I just appreciate everything you do. Right back at um, you. Thank you. I, of course, man. I just wanted to say, uh, are you worried at all about uh, the Yankees? Yes. I'm sorry. Way? Am I quick? Yes. Uh, <laughs> stomped on the rest of your question. What am I worried I just about? Told what? you slow yeses, Rich. Are, are you worried at all about the uh, Yankees losing the top spot uh, in the American League? Losing the top spot in the American League? They're three and a half behind a team that just scored 21 runs last night because Alex Bregman's one of the best players at his position, and Jose Altuve's one of the best players at his position, and and, uh, Justin Verlander may win the Cy Young. Does that answer your question? (laughs) I think you're a little worried. Yeah, I think think the ship sailed. I think Fish McWilliams is is gone with that ship, man. I think think the American League is done because I don't know where the Yankees... The American League f- be first in division for the first in the league for the Yankees is over. Oh, interesting! Absolutely. You don't think if they, uh, don't think if they like meet up in the division or the a- ALCS, they might oh. have a chance. I mean, it depends on on how healthy the Yankees are. Is Luis Severino coming back and and, and throwing like he did in the first eight weeks of the season? Oh, is Clay Holmes is Clay Holmes coming back off the injured list and the the back problem that he has is. Is is settled where he's you know he's finding the strike zone again with with his ninety nine uh, mile an hour sinkers that are are tough to hit. I mean, do the Yankees also have DJ LeMahieu completely healthy? I mean, do yeah. we have that? I mean, because if they don't, then the Astros are going to the World Series. That's for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about Joey Gallo uh, doing work with the Dodgers? Hey, good for him because uh, he didn't do it for the Yanks. Thank, thanks for the call, Ty. I appreciate it. What a what a breath I mean, of fresh air that you're was. No, no, no. It's only August nineteenth. Nice. It's late. 
No, it's late. <laughs> it's late. It's late in the season to try and make up three and a half games, and the Yankees, you know, are, are – I mean, Andrew Benatendi has now three games of three or more strikeouts this year. They're all with the Yankees. Frankie Montas, okay – Frankie Montas is is getting ready to win the Steve Trout Award. Look that one up. He is getting he is getting pounded. This guy who is just filling up the strike zone for the Oakland A's. I guess when you're playing in Yankee Stadium and you don't have two par three golf holes in your foul territory, it's tougher to pitch. <laughs> and you got 40,000 people screaming at you and at the rest of the team as they're stinking on ice, uh, it might cause a bit more butterflies than there's just 5,000 people sitting there and underneath Mount Davis in Oco Stadium, whatever it's called. Different ball of wax. Not everybody can hang. You know, and, you know, and uh, the Yankees are three and a half out of the lead in the American League, the Astros are going to run away with this thing because the Yanks can't put anything together right now. Stanton's coming back. I guess Severino will come back. I guess Clay Holmes will come back. Uh, I, but the Yankees can't come back. They, they have like one comeback win against the, the Rays, which was a miracle, and that one win in Boston. Where they suicide squeezed know, in yeah. a run, crazy. And other than that, they haven't won. I think outside of that, in in uh, their two of their last uh, two and eleven in their last thirteen or something like that. So at least they crushed it so well in the first two and a half, three months of the season that uh, I, I don't know if the Jays sweep them. They could wind up being just six games behind the Yanks, leaving the Bronx uh, before Labor Day. And then then, then really you'll feel the squeeze. So that's my long-winded answer. Am I concerned about the Yankees? You <laughs> bet I am. You bet I am. Because Garrett Cole can't come up with that two-hit shutout we need where the one run they scratch is enough for him. He hasn't done that. Nestor Cortez is their best pitcher. You know, they swapped out Tyone for, I mean, uh, Montgomery for Frankie Montas. Montgomery's turned into Andy Pettit in St. Louis. We'll see what Tyone does tonight. Coop's feeling already. He already turned on turned on the MLB app as I was leaving today. He gets, he's still on East Coast time from his, uh, from his camp. 7 a.m. he's up. Early he wants to watch start. highlights. Early start. He's the one who told me about Pujols' uh, um, pinch hit grand slam yep. for career number 690. He's closing in on say, 700. He may get seven this year. Just needs 10 more the rest of the season. So he's watching it. He saw Tyone is pitching against Gossman tonight. He goes, uh-oh, Dad. That's how I left the house today. <laughs> Even 11-year-olds can <laughs> smell the fear. So A-Rod finished with 696 career home runs. If Pujols is like around that number, yeah. do you think he comes back next year just to get 700? I I don't know. Because this is because supposedly it, right? I guess. What does he want to do? Get to 700? I don't I know. I guess. If he wants to. Somebody, do you think St. Louis will give him a roster spot? I mean, he, could, he might catch the babe if he plays next year. 
Jake in Massachusetts, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Jake? Which line? That's five, sir. Line Thank five you. for those scoring at home. What's up, Jake? What's up, Rich? Big fan of yours. Thanks, pal. I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about the Bucks receiving core. How come no one's talking about how deep and loaded it is this year, especially when it was kind of an Achilles heel for them last year with A.B. freaking out and Godwin going down? I think Russell Gage is the best third or fourth hey. receiver in the NFL. <laughs> if they get anything out of Julio, that's a bonus. Cameron Braid's a viable tight end, not to mention Godwin coming back and Mike Evans being a perennial stud. Well, Jake, uh, it, it's, are you originally from Massachusetts, Jake? Born and raised, still live here. Pretty much. So then, so then uh, I'll use a phrase that you might be familiar with. I, I've been talking about Russell Gage for, for, for months. How do you like them apples? You know, do you like apples? Do you like apples, is. Jake? <laughs> yeah. You know, how do you like them apples? That's right. <laughs> One of the worst quotes in a great movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, Chris, didn't I say he was the most underrated yeah. number one? Not uh, the, the yeah, number the move, one uh, off-season move, off-season right? move yeah. that nobody's talking about. Russell Gage. That's what I mean. Yes. I've been talking about him, and I don't know why other people aren't. Everyone's like, oh, well, Julio's old. It's like, they got four top receivers. They just need their quarterback back. Hopefully we'll get him soon. Wow. Thanks if for the there's call. anyone who can miss an offseason and not miss a beat, it's Tom Brady. So I'm not worried about him taking a couple weeks off in August. He does sound originally from Massachusetts, don't you think, Chris? Don't you think? <laughs> me, me and Jake get along I very mean, well. I mean, I've been watching Brady since the 50s. So I really think he's going to light it up this year. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Greatly appreciate it. There's, uh, there's Jake in Massachusetts. Brady had statistically maybe his best season last year, which is insane. Florio said it perfectly in hour one. Everything about him is unprecedented. Everything. Yep. Yep. Everything about him is unprecedented. A 44-year-old who retires and you're thinking, why? 45-year-old who comes back and, and you say, thank goodness. Back? Good for him. Well, That's why what, would he come back? Huh? Either, either one. Like, yes, it's awesome he's back. Or why would he come back? Because he loves the game and he wants to play and he wants to win one more and he didn't like the way it finished. Or whatever the hell happened to cause him to retire but not really retire in the first place <laughs> is something he wants to rectify. I have no idea. I have to and imagine then, retirement's and now, boring. And now, and now, and now yeah. uh, look at him. He comes off a 5,000-yard season, and he's got, as to Jake's point, Evans, Godwin, Gage, right? And now, what, Kyle Rudolph's now down there? and He can have Gronk and Edelman back if he wants, apparently. Seems like it. <laughs> well, definitely Edelman. Edelman's like, if somebody wants to give me a call, that was Tuesday. We didn't talk about it that much. Other shows have talked about it more than we have. Because I, I kind of just thought he was just, I don't know, listen to my podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's what I've said for years. So, I thought he was doing the thing. No, I don't think he was doing the thing. He would have been like, I don't, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm done. I don't know. Doing the thing where he thinks he could get a call by a team in November. But he was saying, yeah, about week 12 and then end of the year playoff right. run. Why not? He play eight games maybe. He can give you he can Nine give you games. half a season. Right? I mean, look, if you need a first down, he's your guy. What if he comes back and he wins a Super Bowl with somebody? With like an eight catch game in the Super Bowl. By don't way, you think by wouldn't, way, wouldn't now would all the Hall of exactly, Fame Exactly. That's what it, like don't you think? Well, I mean, I already think he he's would, in, but you don't I don't have to know about me. that. As much as I love the guy, and I as think, much as I, I think down the line on the veterans committee, he gets in. 
Look at all the people who are going in now. Hmm. He's the second best playoff wide receiver ever. What if he comes back and he wins the Super Bowl one more time and he has like six catches for 100 yards in the Super Bowl? Then I hopefully all the haters will be quiet. Then you'd really have to think hard. But what, what's the difference from what he's done already? It's not one more. Like people's it's point like, do you need is, one is more? that people's you know? point is that he's never made a Pro Bowl. He never, you know, what I mean, never, doesn't have any. It's just a regular season. You didn't have like a cup type season. You didn't have anything close to a cup type season. Yeah. You think oh, you need he, one more? Oh, there he played go. with Brady. Right, and we'll get one more. What, you know what I mean? Like these guys don't get credit for being as great as they are because they think Tom just made them. Right. Eight four four two zero four. Rich is the number to dial here on the program. When we come back, our number three of this here show, Chris Brockman's got an, a what's more likely for coming up this weekend. We take a look over the steering wheel about your sports weekend, and TJ Jefferson has his big ass grab bag. That's how we're rolling into our break, taking us from hour two to hour number three here on this Friday edition of the Rich Eisen Show, and also uh, the phone calls as I mentioned. Eight four four two zero four. Rich. Number to dial right here on this fun Friday program. We are still here, though. Mike in New Jersey, let's take your call. What's up, Mikey? Rich line. That's line six. Thank you. What's up, Mike? <laughs> hey, Rich, how are you? What's going on, brother? Hey, so uh, the other day, I know you had discussed um, Better Fall Fall yes. and the season finale. Or yes. season finale, excuse me. Yep. Um, I know Brockman had watched it. Have you seen it yet? Yes, I have seen it. I saw the finale. Um, I saw it Wednesday night. I saw it. We've got Vince Gilligan, the creator, uh, in studio on Monday. But uh, I don't know. I mean, should I? I don't want to spoil it for anybody. There I might be say, some people that are let's out there. Let's wait and we'll talk after Vince. Right, Mike? I mean, okay. what do you, what, I, I thought it was terrific, though. I had no problem with the way it ended. I thought it was beautiful. I loved it. I agree. Can I um, offer a question for you to ask Vince on Monday? Please go. So I'm curious what you think. As I've noticed online, a lot of people talking about whether now that Better Call Saul is finished, whether someone who's new to the Heisenberg universe should watch Better Call Saul prior to watching Breaking Bad. And I'm curious what Vince's interpretation of that theory is. Okay. I will I will ask him that. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that either. Personally, I can't wait to go back and rewatch Breaking Bad, just knowing what we know now about Saul. But like, Saul's a broken man in Breaking Bad. But there's also knowing what the, we know there's, now. There's, yeah, but, but there, there, you'd what Saul. Some of their, you wouldn't number one uh, understand some of the surprises. You wouldn't also understand some of the narratives. Right. And also, you'd have some Breaking Bad moments spoiled. You've got to watch yeah, Breaking Bad sure. first. Got to watch Breaking Bad first. Especially since you're watching Saul and you know what's already happened to some of these characters and it's kind of a wink and a nod that they do some things in Saul. Right. You have to watch Breaking Bad first. Yeah, absolutely. You have to watch Breaking Bad, period. It's, it's truly... You should watch Breaking Bad, but you should watch it first if you're, gonna, if you're deciding between I was Saul saying it's, it's the, the best show that wasn't on like a pay cable channel. I, I know in this day and age of streamers and things of that nature, that's like an old phrase, but like an HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, right? Outside of those worlds where you could curse your head off. Breaking Bad's the best such drama ever. It's great. Unbelievable. And Vince Gilligan's going to be on this show at this very time next week on Monday.